The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Roger Sion. Roger is... A managing director at Deloitte, he leads Deloitte's enterprise contract vehicle go-to-market team, uh, and that's within Deloitte's government and public services sales excellence organization. And Roger, first of all, welcome to the show. It's great to see you again. Yeah, thank you, Roger, for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Good to see you as well. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. It's one of my favorite procurement topics, you know, the what's going on with regard to interagency contracting and GWACs and that sort of thing. And First of all, what I wanted to do is um, give you an opportunity to talk a little about your background and how you ended up at uh, Deloitte. Sure. So, I'm, Roger, I'm a native Washingtonian, uh, went away for college, came back uh, to, uh, to go to business school at GW in the early 90s, and then uh, actually started off my consulting career at the old Anderson Consulting um, in their telecommunications practice down on 16th and K Street. And at the time, my client was MCI, which then became MCI WorldCom. Um, and then uh, and then Bernie Evers happened, dating myself a bit, right, with that reference for sure. But um, I'm going to guess that a handful of our listening audience will get that reference. Um, so uh, I had to pivot from uh, being on the, you know, kind of commercial market facing side to find another practice to join. Um, So um, uh, this was 1997. I figured that the federal government as a client base would likely not meet the same fate as MCI WorldCom did. Um, And so uh, that's how I got into government contracting um, and the rest is history, so to speak. So in terms of coming to Deloitte, so I'm, I'm now uh, entering uh, my eighth year here uh, as a partner within the firm. And I joined from what used to be SRA, uh, now part of GDIT. Um, and anticipating your next question there, Roger, it is mere happenstance that I've been in companies that seem to have consolidated a bit in the industry. Uh, but I um, uh, just absolutely love my time here at Deloitte. A great time to be at the firm um, and particularly within the government practice and very much looking forward to the topic of conversation today. Yeah. And, and I think uh, it's safe to say, given our you know demographic here, uh, show listeners that people will get your reference to Bernie Evers. <laughs> uh, so, okay. And then the other thing I have to say, you said you went away to, to school. I have to say, not only do we share the same name, we also share a rivalry. Yes, That's right. We do. Um, as a, you are a Bates graduate and, you know, and, uh, I, you know, and I'm a Bowdoin graduate and, you know, I'm surprised we get along. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and, but I appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, we've had some great conversations about Maine and, um, you know, in our, in our, in our respective times at our, at our colleges. Um, so sure. the, before, yeah, before we get into the, um, you know, the subject of the day, I want, did want to also just sort of give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about 
what the enterprise contract vehicle go-to-market team, what the role sure. it plays at Deloitte. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so our, our enterprise contract vehicle go-to-market team, or ECV for short, right? Government contracting, we all love our acronyms. Um, so we're, we're essentially responsible, Roger, for helping maximize task order flow through our existing portfolio of contract vehicles, as well as tasks with going out and capturing new ones. So from an internal client support perspective, then we work with our uh, account teams and their clients to map requirements to the best contracting vehicle option available, focusing on ease and to some extent speed of procurement for that requirement. Right. So the benefit to our client agencies then is that we offer them up a number of contracting options to facilitate that. And in the role that I serve as the ECV team lead, I'm also the program manager for all of our GWACs. So my client agencies are GSA, NITAC, NASA, right? Everyone who administers all of those vehicles. So I'm working as a PM for those uh, vehicles. I'm working in conjunction with my federal counterparts um, to help market those vehicles and the value that they bring and, and offer to our respective agency clients. So that's my role. And, that, and, and that's sort of what this ECV organization is designed to do. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I just remember one of the things that we always used to say at GSA when I was there and working in operations for part of my career is like the biggest um, sort of one of the biggest marketers in a certain sense of GSA's programs were the contractors themselves in terms of like saying to customer agencies, like, Hey, Hey, you should go look at these vehicles. They could save you time and money and that sort of thing. So given that role, it's, you know, you were the perfect person to talk to about some of these issues. (laughs) and let's just talk a little bit about the GWACs right now and just, you know, what are yeah. you seeing from uh, their current performance? How are customer agencies sort of using them? And uh, yeah. is de- where's demand, the demand um, coming from right now? Yeah. So, you know, I'd say, Roger, in general, it's, it's kind of what I mentioned before uh, that our, you know, ECV team facilitates. It's that ease and speed of procurement. Right. So I think we all want to be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. So to the extent that agencies can procure the support that they need to help solve challenges that they face as quickly and as efficiently as possible, obviously with access to the best possible options of companies that can provide them with those solutions, like everybody wants that outcome. Right. So, again, what contracting options are available to us in industry and then subsequently to our client agencies uh, that can produce that desired outcome, that's sort of the trend that I'm seeing. And in terms of what types of those services they're looking for along the same lines of ease and efficiency, I'm seeing our client agencies want to procure solutions, right? So not necessarily piece part components that they then have to cobble together to create a solution. So, How do they get the solution that they want with one procurement, right, versus a whole slew of procurements that may not come together timing-wise in the manner that they should? 
So the, the impact to industry then is that we're now looking at approaching that whole solution aspect from a broader teaming or ecosystems lens. So I may have part of the solution here at Deloitte that my client needs and another company might have the other part and so on and so on, right? If right. we all want to do what's best for our clients, then we need to do a better job at collaborating across industry, put all of those parts together on our end so that our clients don't have to do that on their end and can just procure that whole solution once from us. So all of that said, Roger, to answer your initial question, I'm seeing this trend towards GWACs versus agency IDIQs because all of the things that I just mentioned seem to fit nicely with the value proposition that GWACs offer our clients in looking for that ease and efficiency and speed of procurement one time, if that makes sense. Yeah. The other thing is probably, I'll just get your thoughts on this too. It just seems to me that, you know, with regard to the GWACs, GSA has already put in place the contract vehicles and that's a heavy lift and that saves the agencies the time and effort to try to put their own contract vehicle in place and yes. go through the, the rigors of, you know, the full and open competition, whereas a, they, they can do a streamlined task order competition, you know, to save time and money. When you're talking to customer agencies about, you know, why they should or shouldn't use a particular vehicle, it's those kind of things that are the focus of discussion, that efficiency aspect. Yes, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, efficiency is, you know, kind of a broad umbrella term, Roger, for the environment, I think, that, that our client agencies are, are in these days. Um, and and what, I might, what I mean by that is there's all these other factors that, that you know, um, lead to why they're seeking efficiency. Um, and, and so I think COVID actually accelerated this process and, and this sort of, you know, trend towards GWACs a bit. And what I mean by that is that, you know, during COVID, you had a number of contracting officers, particularly experienced CEOs, right, that uh, retired or decided to leave their positions. And those agencies from which they left have not yet had the opportunity or even the ability to backfill those roles, right? So you have these gaps in both resources and experience across the agency CEO community that have created some major challenges in agencies being able to deal with that throughput. And so add to that the situation that you just mentioned, the increased cost of managing and administering those agency IDOQs in the face of, you know, continuing resolutions and budget constraints across the board. And that leads us to this current environment where, again, I feel like agency program offices are leaning towards leveraging all of the features and benefits inherent to a GWAC to procure the solutions that they need. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. That's a great observation because one of the things, you you know, we're in a time right now um, where um, GSA is actually in the Federal Acquisition Service has reorganized. And as part of that reorganization, one of the things they've really, you know, are enhancing or dedicating resources to is the Assisted Acquisition Service. In particular, 
that actually does procurements on behalf of other agencies. And I think that dovetails exactly with your comment about, you know, Mm -hmm. gaps in the acquisition workforce at customer agencies. It's a, it's a great observation. And Roger, you know, we're up on the break, but when we come back, uh, I want to start to talk a little bit about just the suite of vehicles that are out there and how they sort of fit together or not. And then a little bit, and then we can move and talk about we're in the era of transition with a lot yeah. of follow-on procurements and just get the yes. get, get the state of play on those. My guest today yeah. is Roger Sion. He is a managing director for Deloitte's Enterprise Contract Vehicle Go-To-Market team within Deloitte's Government and Public Services Sales Excellent Organization. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Roger Sion. Roger is the Managing Director at Deloitte's Enterprise Contract Vehicle Go-To-Market Team that is within Deloitte's Government and Public Services Sales Excellence Organization. And today we are talking about GWACs, the federal market, the role they play, and uh, current trends, where things are headed. So in this segment, I wanted to lead off, Roger, uh, with... Just um, your thoughts on, you know, you, you mentioned the your team and, you know, the focus and your responsibility looking at all these managing sort of, you're sort of like the nexus point I, from what you described to me, a nexus point between internal Deloitte customers mm-hmm. that support the directly support the customer agency mission and then the GWACs and, yes. and the customer themselves. So can you give your thoughts on how all these GWACs sort of fit together? You know, you've got yeah. Alliant, you've got NASA Soup. Uh, yes. NH and Polaris small business one. Just how do they all fit together? In, you know, from an enterprise perspective, when yeah. you're looking at them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, Roger, I uh, think I want to um, edit my business card to put Nexus Point on there somewhere because I, okay. I love that description. So, <laughs> so thank you for that. So I'm a firm believer. Let me put it this way: I'm a firm believer in consumer choice right? I think all of us are. And if we think about how we act in our own consumer buying behavior, um, we're oftentimes evaluating products that are very similar, but have some kind of inherent value that we derive from it, right? And I I think contract vehicles are are no different, right? So if, if I really think about you know, the, the, the role that we serve in industry um, and then my role in particular here of um, you know, being that nexus point, helping facilitate the ease and speed of procurement for a particular requirement, you kind of want that overlap to a degree, right? You want those right. options that say, hey, here is a common way for us to, you know, as the federal government, um, to buy products or services, it's repeatable. There's a history behind it, right? I, it's a known quantity, right? But same thing, our, our own consumer buyer behavior, right? I, I want to buy a pair of shoes. I'm looking for a certain brand. I know what that brand brings me. And that's why we don't have a hundred GVAX, right? We've got right, five right. or six, right? That said, there are those nuances as consumers that we're always looking for that differentiate one product from another, maybe because we've got different needs or there's different ways in which we want to use that product. So, you know, I think about it in the terms of like, 
I'm the Department of Commerce and I want to buy a financial system or support for a financial system, there's a way to do that. And there's a way for every federal agency to do that. However, one of the nuances could be um, I'm actually an intel agency. And there are nuances associated with what I want to do with that financial system or even the people who can even work on that financial system. Or maybe I'm USAID and I'm deploying this financial system overseas and all of the, uh, again, nuances associated with that. Um, So the fact that we've got a limited number of GWACs is great from the standpoint of um, you've got tried and true tested solutions, products, whatever you want to call them, but each of them has fundamentally different ways of of deploying what it is that our client agencies are looking to buy. Um, They get options and and choice as a a result. Um, So I'd like to say it is intentional um, and purposeful, um, but certainly the usage of them is purposeful and intentional. Right. And and I I do think that there are enough options out there where client agencies can get what they need to get tailored to their environment and how they want to deploy those solutions. Right. And there's a I think the overlap you mentioned is is logical, but and it also there's an element to it of, you know, I guess. You know, as a consumer too, there's competition between the vehicles in terms of yes. you know, how do I, how do I make my vehicle better to support mm-hmm. the customer and like so for example maybe you know you think about NASA Soup and its historic focus and now they're going to expand yes. more into services. Um, yes. One could argue, what does that mean for a line and other vehicles? And you have a new mm-hmm. sort of competitor on the uh, 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 you know in the space. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. That's you know. It could raise all, you know, the performance of all the vehicles over time. Um, do you kind of share that view? I do. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, perspective of the whole, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, right? That, again, every market, whether it be the the GWAC market or the shoe market, right, constantly evolving depending upon what the consumer wants to buy and, and what that environment looks like, right? So, and I know that we'll, we'll probably, you know, get into a conversation about, you know, emerging technology and, and what that means and, and you know, how um, these contract vehicles uh, have to adapt to enable client agencies to, to, you know, procure that kind of emerging technology. You know, it's the whole analogy of, uh, what is it? You're, you're trying to change the wheels on the, on the car as it's, you know, driving down the highway. And so we are not in a static environment. You know, a lot of people might think, oh, it's, you know, it's the, the, the federal government and, and things have been the same for however long it's been. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's no different from what I'm seeing also on the commercial side, which is a, a very dynamic marketplace. You've got leadership changes. You've got policy changes, um, you know, on a fairly consistent basis. You've got emerging technology. You've got a client base that is going to consume that technology in a different manner. Um, and so, you know, the nuance with servicing the federal government is you got to use a contract vehicle to do that. So um, by that very nature of the, the dynamic uh, market, those vehicles then, you know, can't stay the same, right? They right. constantly have to be evolved. 
from your perspective, is the key to that, like the, the you know, how the government, whether it's GSA or NASA or NIH, how they articulate like the scope of the contract and to incorporate mm-hmm. those emerging technologies, you know, down the road Like you, you don't necessarily like, you know, maybe 10 years ago, did people really think about AI, for example, but the right. contract vehicle, if you've written it properly, could include that. Is that Yes, one of the key considerations for these vehicles moving forward. Oh yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely right. So, so there has to be, um, you know, a degree of flexibility built into you know the scope of those vehicles. And and, and the other thing, you know, Roger, and we we talked about it earlier, um, is this whole trend in industry moving towards collaborating with one another. Um, you know, building an ecosystem so that we can take a more holistic solution to our clients. Um, you know, the the new set of scope in in you know the GWAX um, are, are starting to move in that direction as well too, right? So encouraging teaming, um, being a lot more open to services companies working with hardware and software companies. Um, large businesses working with small businesses uh, or joint ventures, right? That really wasn't a thing 10 years ago. It certainly is now and, and certainly will continue to evolve over the next 10 years. Um, so, um, yeah, I think the next iteration of what we're seeing or I'm seeing from the scope and how that's evolving in each of these, you know, uh, GWAC recompetes. Um, is starting to account for that. Right. Yeah. And I think that reflects the complexity of the market, right? That you can, you know, sure. you're pulled together teams to, to respond to increasingly complex requirements from the government or just multifaceted requirements. And Roger, you know, we're up on the break. So when we come back, we'll talk, you mentioned the follow-ons. We'll talk a little bit about the follow-ons and that's a good place too. We can transition a little bit to talk about some of the evaluation methodologies that, People have historically um, used and now, you know, some of the more new approaches to evaluating proposals and particularly a point scoring methodology. My guest today is Roger Sion. He is a managing director at Deloitte. He leads the enterprise contract vehicle go to market team within Deloitte's government and public services sales excellence organization. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Roger Sion. He is a managing director at Deloitte, leading the enterprise contract vehicle go-to-market team within Deloitte's government and public services sales excellence organization. Uh, Roger, you know, um, you know, when we took the break last segment, you know, you alluded to or even mentioned the follow-ons, um, mm-hmm. and we are kind of in a period GWAC era of transition or period of transition yes. where there's a number of contract vehicles that are either going to have recompetes or follow-ons or whatever you want to call them. Um, and the stakes are high and there's a lot going on. I just want to get your impressions on, you know, where you know, this era of transition and what you're seeing with all these different contract vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly a, a unique time in the industry, Roger, I'd say. Right. Pretty unusual that you've got, you know, all of these recompetes and transitions occurring, you know, within like a 18, 24 month span of one another uh, and, uh, and, and major, um, you know, uh, uh, recompetes at that. 
So um, I'd say from where we sit, from from an industry perspective, uh, you know, pretty busy time. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, stakes are high, all hands on deck, whatever, you know, kind of uh, uh, analogy you want to use for um, we got to pay a lot of attention, uh, you, you know, to what's going on. Uh, but, um, um, but, you know, we talked about it in the last segment as well, too, right? It's, it, it's where we are in the market today, right? I mean, we've, we've got a set of, of agency clients uh, that have, um, you know, um, evolving uh, needs to ensure that they're meeting their mission. We have an administration and policy uh, that is leading those agencies down a particular path where, you know, um, they've got to incorporate different aspects of how they execute their mission that, um, you know, either didn't exist a few years ago or, or things that, you know, we, we hadn't quite emphasized as much, you know, um, whether it is new threats from like a cybersecurity perspective, whether it is incorporating uh, sustainability, climate, equity um, into how, um, you know, our, our agency clients procure things. Um, it's all of that stuff, which I think is is dictating this environment where we find ourselves, which is, hey, again, I'm a, a, a GWAC that needs to service um, a client agency with ever-evolving needs. I've got an agency with other options that they've got from, from a contracting standpoint, how do I keep up? And so it's all good. Uh, but um, yeah, just makes for some, for some nights and weekends hours uh, that uh, I probably would not have anticipated a couple of years ago. Yeah. Do you see one of the things uh, I, I um, you know, some of the lead times is some of these things are, um, they're going to inevitably, even though there's a 24-month period, they're probably going to end up bumping up against each other in a certain sense. If, you know, like CSP4, sure. right, um, yes. you know, the, the, that had a long sort of tortured, um, you know, I guess, process to get to where they are finally today. Um, but then you've got o- Oasis Plus, you know, for mm-hmm. small businesses, there's Polaris, which DSA is mm-hmm. you know, kind of figuring out how they're going to evaluate that, you know. Yeah. And NASA Soup, which I think just had mm-hmm. an industry day recently and they're moving forward and they're yeah. yeah. And then um and then Alliant Three is next. And you know, like mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh I'm just curious, do you you know, man, can you share anything about how do you think about how you manage those things when you're thinking yeah. about, you know, the bid and proposal costs that go into yeah. it and putting together the teams? And I guess some of that, which we can start talking about too, is like obviously one of the keys is, is gonna be the section M evaluation criteria associated with the section L instructions. Um, All those things come together. You know, I, I don't know what I'm asking. It's just like, how how do you deal with all that? I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So uh, I I hope I deal with it, um, you know, uh, pretty well, uh, even though it, it, you know, certainly can cause a little bit of stress when you really start thinking about it in the manner with which you described it, Roger. Uh, but in, in all seriousness, uh, I mean, I, I do think that, um, and, and maybe this goes to another topic that hopefully we'll get into around this 
communication and understanding uh, that that needs to continue to uh, occur between government and industry and what industry looks at um, and evaluates when we've got an environment like this where you've got, you know, these massive bid and proposal efforts that have to, to uh, be launched uh, uh, and certainly the investment that we all make from an industry perspective um, in that effort uh, and then recognizing the resources that our uh, federal counterparts, you know, have to deploy to, um, you know, manage, administer, evaluate all of that stuff. Um, so, um, um, again, I, I'm not exactly sure what I'm saying here either, but, you know, from a spacing <laughs> no. standpoint, again, unique time in industry, right? Like I, uh, again, started in the supporting the federal government in 1997. So what year 26 of doing this? I don't know that I've seen this sort of, you know, combination of all of these factors coming together in, in, in this short period of time. Um, um, so what I do think, though, is from an industry perspective, and obviously I, I can only speak from that perspective, um, you, you know, there are situations where you may have to make decisions and, and uh, uh, investment decisions based upon, you know, hey, what can I do and what can I not do, right? right? You know, we're fortunate from a large business standpoint that oftentimes there are there there's the ability to make investments into all of these options, um, but maybe not the same case for a medium-sized business and, and maybe even less so the case for a small business, right? So right. there is a degree of, I don't know what else to call it, consideration of, of you know, that that needs to be um, – uh, put into play here, whether it's an equity thing, I, I'm not so sure, but like just understanding that there are different flavors of industry, right? Different sizes of companies, but the level of investment required to do all these things, th that doesn't change. Um, and, and so, um, you know, we're, we're again, uh, cars down, moving down the highway, we're trying to change the tires, not so sure that the car is going to pull over anytime soon to allow us to do that. So, you know, we just have to kind of react to what the market is dictating and figure it out. But just to say that it does create a situation where I think depending upon who you are, what resources you've got available to you, you got to make some decisions as to what you do and what you don't do. Right. That's a, you know, that's a great point just in, you know, cause I think about small businesses in particular, which you mentioned and the idea that they, at a certain point, you know, you, you know, if you're a small business, you have to choose wisely, right. Yes. Um, you know, in terms yes. of what vehicle you get on. Um, and if you choose mm -hmm. the wrong one, you know, as a small business, right. it's hard to recover from that. That's so the stakes are kind of high from that perspective. You know, one of the things we can start the conversation, we've got about a minute left in the segment and then we can continue it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what, one of the things yeah. that's interesting about, you know, I guess this era as well as the, you know, the continued sort of adoption and use of, you know, this uh, point scoring perspective or evaluation yes. methodology where, you know, you, it's almost like, a, you know, uh, uh, you, you provide all this experience and background information and you get in, you self score, and right. the high scores get on the contract and they only evaluate fair and reasonable right. price um, versus the traditional cost technical trade-off analysis, which maybe just even those using those terms, 
you know, and knowing them, Roger, we're dating ourselves, but, uh, you know, can, can you quickly, you got yeah. about, you know, let's say a minute left, just a little bit about yeah. you know, your impressions of the point scoring approach versus best value yeah. technical trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I do think Roger, it, it's a little bit of a function, what I'd mentioned, you know, before around this, you know, we, we've all got limited um, resources in, you know, investment opportunities, both from an industry and from a, you know, uh, our government counterpart perspective. Um, and so, um, you know, sort of the theme of what we've been talking about, I've been talking about is this ease and efficiency. Um, um, and so moving to a model where I'm the government, I'm putting a little bit more of the onus on industry to say, hey, kind of prove it to me that you can do this. Um, and by the way, in the process, I'm also going to remove um, um, an element of what traditionally had been um, probably, you know, the largest amount of investment of time, resources, and energy, which is, you know, here's a 50-page technical proposal uh, or even a 100-page technical proposal, to be more accurate, that I've got to write, you've got to review, right? So let's find a way to create an environment where there's ease and speed and proficiency or efficiency rather in how um, I ask you to respond and in the manner in which you do respond, right? At the same time, I love the fact that the criteria is still set up in such a manner that, yes, you still have to prove to me that you can do this, um, uh, but um, I think it's creating, you know, a, a much more inclusive environment uh, than uh, from, from a contractor standpoint than it had in the past. So right. um, I guess what I'm saying, Roger, overall is I personally like the trend um, and uh, I'm seeing that trend actually even uh, go into not just what we're doing at, at the GWAC level, but also a number of agencies, right? Um, right. Uh, the VA, for example. Um, you know, follow that pattern very recently. Right. So um, we have to take a break, Roger. When we come back, I might have one yeah. follow-up question with regard to the scoring methodology, and then we can talk about government industry communication, which to me is really the lifeblood of the procurement yes. system. My guest today is Roger Sion. He is a managing director at Delo with Deloitte's, and he leads Deloitte's enterprise contract vehicle go-to-market team within Deloitte's Government and Public Services Sales Excellence Organization. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Roger Sion. He is the Managing Director for Deloitte's Enterprise Contract Vehicle Go-to-Market Team within Deloitte's Government and Public Services Sales Excellence Organization. Um, and, you know, we're talking about when we took the break, Roger, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, the self-scoring methodology that's mm -hmm. become hugely popular um, for agencies to utilize where, you know, you, you as a Deloitte or anybody else who's submitting an offer, you know, you, you have points based on experience and capabilities and right. certifications and all that kind of stuff, which demonstrates you can do the work. And you, mm -hmm. you, you get points for that, you self-score, and then the government kind of validates it and it's fair and reasonable pricing mm -hmm. at the end of the day versus the traditional cost, cost proposal, technical proposal, right. management proposal. And then you do this trade-off of who's the best value. Um, so it, you know, in looking at that, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts. It, it seems to me one of the 
key features of the point scoring, it, it, it's, it, it lends itself much more to the ability of the government to create a, uh, efficiently create a pool of contractors, which is really what they're trying yes. to do at yes. the contract level. Your thoughts on mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I t- totally agree, Roger. Right. Yeah. And, and as I mentioned, you know, uh, in the last segment, again, I, I personally like this movement uh, and trend towards the point scoring uh, methodology, uh, you know, be, be, because it is more inclusive, right? Like it, it allows for, um, uh, you know, a, a, a greater, uh, I'll say, access uh, to the opportunity of having that particular, you know, uh, GWAC. And then let's, let's all compete at the task order level. Uh, but, you know, I mentioned this in, you know, uh, in an earlier segment, again, it, it, it's also kind of lending itself to this situation where, hey, if we're doing point scoring and maybe I as a company don't have all of the points, but I can team up with another company that can help me with some of the points. And then I team up with this other company that can help me with the rest of the points, right? Then, then you're creating, again, access to opportunity that probably was not there before, right? It's like a very right. binary. Do, can you do it or not? And if not, then this other person can do it. Well, now can we combine forces to show that the government show the government that we, we can collectively do it. And I, you know, again, I, I, I really like that direction. Right. And then, you know, at the task order level, that's where you really, where, cause you're going to be picking one company typically to exactly. do the work. That's yep. where you do your best value kind of trade off analysis. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yes. So I know one of the things that you're very, you know, we've talked before in the past about just generally in our business discussions is, you know, the importance of communication in the marketplace yeah. and that being the lifeblood of the procurement system, you know, how, where are we right now with how communication is working between government industry when it comes to, you know, these procurements, for example, or just yeah. generally when we're, when the government's looking to meet a mission need. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're, we're, we're better off than we were, you know, several years ago for sure. Um, and, and I would attribute that, Roger, to um, you know, organizations like like CGP, organizations like ACT, IAC, you know, um, um, AFCIA, that, that, that uh, PSC that facilitate, you know, that, that communication between industry and government. So, you know, thank you for that. But I also think, you know, we've seen this increase as well in folks wearing different uniforms, so to speak. Right. Um, folks coming out of government, going into industry and vice versa. Um, and so, you know, it's like anything else in life. When you walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, you get a greater appreciation for what it is that they face. Um, and so I would hope that we continue down this path of understanding, you know, um, one another's, uh, um, I'll say it, just business approach, operating model and then gaining an appreciation for, hey, what does it actually take day to day for you, the government, to, you know, um, draft a requirement, put a procurement out and get that solution delivered to you? Then on the flip side, what it takes for us in the industry to um, to respond um, and to ensure that we can make the right decisions associated with how do we deliver 
not only that proposal, but also the subsequent solution to you uh, in the best manner possible. Yeah, and it seems to me one of the things that you'd be communicating to the government is the more information you give us about your mission and what you're yes. trying to accomplish, the better we can meet your needs. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, the, the more open those lines of communication can be, you know, uh, uh, the more, I'll say, transparency that, that we can, uh, you know, create in, in the procurement process, you know, recognizing that, you know, that there are certain things that uh, – maybe cannot change and should not change. Uh, but the forum that, you know, we've got from an industry perspective is one in which, you know, I think there's plenty of opportunities for us to get our point across. What I'd like to see is just the opposite, right? More for like more reverse industry days, those kinds of things where, you know, Hey, we have the ability to sit there and the government says, okay, this is what I'm thinking in an open environment, let's just talk about what that what that means to you, right? And and does it even make sense? And is it worth, as the government, our time, resources, investment to put a procurement out that, you know, gosh, no one in the industry might even respond to, right? right. But you don't find that out unless you have, you know, th- those kinds of uh, open, honest, candid, two-way kinds of conversations. Right. At the, end, at the end of the day, it is, that is fundamentally important. Like what's the art of the possible, right? When, yes. when you're talking um, to, to, you know, the customer and the customer is talking to, you know, the provider at the end of the day or potential providers at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So Roger, I want to thank you for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's a great conversation. Absolutely. Roger. Thank you again for having me. And, and um, um, I'm glad to hear that this was a, uh, Um, useful conversation for you and me and and hopefully for our listening audience as well, too. Right. So I want to thank my guest today, Roger Sion. He is managing director. He leads Deloitte's enterprise contract vehicle go-to-market team within Deloitte's government and public services sales excellence organization. I'm Roger Walder, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.